Hello, welcome to episode. What episode is this, dude? Eleven. Eleven. Fuck, we've made eleven of these. Yeah. Damn. All right. Episode eleven. Guys being dudes. Mitch McCartney with Danny Lucy. My what's going on, guys? Half host. We were half debating earlier. If, how would we like address each other? I mean, how would we address each other? Just both hosts, or like, do we call each other co-host? Well, I mean. My sports knowledge is much more superior than yours, but uh, I highly doubt that. All right, <laughs> all right. Welcome in on a Sunday. NFL drafts right around the corner. All the Lions receivers this past season, they said, "Hey, go fuck yourself." They left. Kenny Galladay went to the I'm Giants. Walking. I'm walking. We out of here. Kenny Galladay to the Giants. Marvin Jones to the Jaguars and Danny Amendola is probably just going to hang him up. He's pretty old. He's just a free agent. He's got a walking stick on so, the field. I'm scared of Danny right. Amendola. Walking stick, just like Kyrie Irving. It's scared a, for Kyrie help. Irving does not need one, but yeah, <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't let this episode be another Kyrie Irving rant episode. I no, just you can't, can't do, do it. it. You can't do that to the fans. That's what I pay my therapist for. Like 10 people listening. The therapist, you go to therapy right. for Kyrie Irving and his walking stick, dude. It's bad, bro. It's it's bad. I swear. Yeah, I mean, I go to therapy for James Harden's playoff resume, but I mean, no, um, I got to get a separate one for that. Yeah, no, we're gonna have to make a whole new episode about our therapy, my therapy session of James Harden. And guys, be that would be guys being dudes unfiltered, <laughs> right? All right, so we're gonna break down top three wide receivers that we think the Lions are most likely to take at number three. Do you want to start, Danny, or you want me to start? I mean, I can I can tell you the three wide receivers, but like at the end of the day, I don't think that they should pick up a wide receiver in the first round because we lost three of those wide receivers, so we have to try to fill in the void for that. So, I mean, we have our top three wide receiver candidates here, which is Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, and Jalen Waddle. Um, Chase went to LSU, and then Devontae Smith and Waddle went to Alabama. Um, so looking at these three wide receivers, they're very strong wide receivers. I mean, I would pick them up. I'd value them, actually, in the first round. I wouldn't value them in the second round, really, because their potential is through the roof. Um, but at Agreed. the end of the day, wouldn't be surprised if they all went in the first round. No, hundred percent, because Jalen Waddle is uh, like got insane speed, can split up the coverage very well. He's comparable to Tyree Kill. I mean, then you got Jamar Chase, that's a really reliable uh, marginal route runner, and then you have Devontae Smith, that's just Devontae Smith. We all know who Devontae Smith is. I mean, I would compare him to Kelvin. But at the end of the day, uh, the Lions miss a lot of areas, uh, a lot of talent in a lot of areas. So, I mean, I would look towards their defense more when it comes to drafting. But, I mean, we can see what Brad Holmes does. But, I mean, those are our top three wide receivers. I mean, what are your thoughts on them? I, I mean, obviously, they're all studs. I, I can't. I have my doubts about Devontae Smith being that he's only 175 pounds. But. I mean, with that being said, he was amazing last year at Alabama. I mean, he had 117 receptions, 1,018 or damn near 1,900 yards, 23 touchdowns, averaged about 16 yards per catch. I mean, he had a per, he had a combine grade of 7.13, which they consider is a perennial All Pro. 
And he was the first receiver since Desmond Howard to win the Heisman Trophy. So it's, I mean, he, that speaks for itself right there. Obviously, he's a fantastic talent. I just think that, you know, when 175, I'm 175 pounds. I don't think I would last a day in the NFL. Am I built like Devontae Smith? Hell no. But I, I feel like if I got, if me at 175 pounds got hit by, you know, I don't know, Derrick Henry. I mean, I know that wouldn't happen because Devontae Smith is a receiver and, you know, that, you know, would never ish happen. But if I got nailed by an Aaron Donald, I don't think I would get up the next day or no. ever. No, never. They're <laughs> so, beast. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I would be very concerned as an NFL GM. Do I want to spend this number seven overall pick on Devontae Smith, who, yes, he's a fantastic talent, but he is one hit away. I mean, he's just, 175 pounds is fragile to me in the NFL. And it's people can say, you know, he can make it. And I think he can if he puts on weight. I also think there's a way to do it at his weight, but it doesn't happen very often. And there's a difference between college players and professional players. I mean, the the difference in nutrition and training, I mean, you really it really changes it. You know, when you're a pro, it's your job. You're not a student athlete anymore. You're there all day every day you eat sleep and breathe and shit football yeah i mean Devonte smith see i wonder because he's six foot 175 pounds and that's exactly my height and my weight so i wonder if any of that how much of that is body fat and at the end of none. the day yeah none because he's a fucking football player but um that's very fragile that's very skinny because i'm a really I'd say I'm a really skinny person and I have a little bit of a gut because I'm not really as athletic as like you, an you athlete do some like drinking this. now and then, you yeah, know, I do a little drinking now and then. So to, <laughs> to, to look at Devante Smith, like, all right, he's an athlete, so he's going to obviously not have a stomach, but I'm still pretty fucking skinny. Like if I got hit by like an Aaron Donald or maybe even like a Jalen Ramsey, like if they just hit you the right way, I would have to prepare a, a eulogy at your funeral. No, hundred percent, dude. And the thing is, is that he's not only um, doing a lot of football, like you said, living, living, eating, and shitting football. But at the end of the day, you're still a college student, so you're not really eating at the. You're not really eating the best food. I would say that's uh, given to you, opposed to the NFL, where you're just literally just breathing football at that point, and there's no school in the way. So I think Devontae Smith is a really good. Uh, route runner when it comes to his speed uh, but at the end of the day how far does speed get you when you're caught it, exactly I, I I agree I mean he he was fantastic but I mean and the league upped it you know this next season we're gonna have 17 games instead of 16 so it's gonna be 17 games on an uh, 18 week schedule and I mean, I just, I cannot see uh, Devonta Smith lasting 17 so games. the point of that though? Of of more games, yeah, just like more just money. to have more game, more money, more right. money, greedy owners. You know how it is. Yeah, but how far does one game actually like go for like a player's? I mean, yeah, that is one more game to add to injury toll. Yeah, I mean, there, yeah, but, it's, yeah, like that right there. Someone could get hurt, and it's just like the toll of the NFL season. It's just ridiculous if you listen to podcasts where you know they interview players on their training and stuff like that, especially ones that have been like hurt or gotten injuries. Like 
I mean, especially for like running backs, like I've listened to a few podcasts with like Frank Gore as a guest. And he's like, I've had days where, you know, on Monday, I, I do not get out of bed and I eat ibuprofen for breakfast, lunch and dinner. <laughs> yeah, because you got literally guys that are 300 pounds with 1% body fat charging at you with the speed of like a average wide receiver. And I using guess themselves as a battering ram, right? Using themselves as a battling ram, dropping shoulders on fucking quarterbacks that are literally like two times smaller their size. And it's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> right, right. All right. Do you want to move on to Jamar Chase now? Yes. All right, let's go. All right. So Jamar Chase, six foot, 208. He opted out of the 2020 season to prepare for the NFL draft. You know, a lot of questions due to COVID. All that stuff. A lot of guys did it. He did. Uh, So let's look at his 2019 stats, which was his sophomore season at LSU. He had 84 receptions, 1,800 yards, averaged 22 yards per catch. Uh, He won the, oh my God, I'm going to butcher this name, Blinstikoff Award. I'm sorry. I'm bad at that one. That was pretty Uh, good. Blinstikoff. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah Blinstikoff. Uh, nation's yeah. top wide receiver in 2019 helped LSU win that title. He scored a 7.12 grade at the combine, which also rates him as a perennial all pro, just like Devontae Smith. 4.38 40 time, 41 inch vertical. I mean, he. Right, I have a question for you. What's all up? Right. So the question is all right, so for people that just listened to all of that, Right now, um, a lot of people are probably just thinking, what the hell is a 7.12 grade at the Combine? I mean, would you want to elaborate on that? What what that is? Like, uh, well, the hi- that? Yeah, the highest grade you can get as a Combine player is an 8, and uh, it's extremely rare. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, and they don't score it like, as you can say, I said 7.12. It's, they don't score it with whole numbers. They get really, really specific down to the decimal. So, right, an eight point player would probably be LeBron James. Yeah, it, I, dude, LeBron would could totally score an eight at the combine. Combine, right? But like coming into the draft too, he probably score an eight point. Like, oh, for sure. Like, I'm just saying, like when when you look at players going into the NFL or the NBA, like LeBron James would be one of those players that scored an eight point when he was a rookie. But like and Zion too. But when you look at like players like Chris Paul or. Uh, I don't know, like Kyrie Devin Irving, Booker. Devin Booker. They're not going to score eight points. Luka. They're going to still score. Yeah. Luke, fantastic player, just not very athletically gifted. Right. Um, okay. So, yeah, continuing Jamar Chase. Uh, 7.12 at the combine. He is the. He, he's just a beast of a receiver. He's known for his ability to come down with. Uh, contested catches. He's fantastic at getting two feet in bounds. He's got a strong lower body. He's got great work, work, or wait, I'm sorry, weight room ethic. He's mm-hmm. a great hand fighter. Yeah. I, uh, I'm looking at this right now, and Jamar Chase, uh, his success, it, the thing that questions me is like, all right, so his success was crazy 2019 right 2019 winning the championship with joe burrow but like the thing is that was joe burrow the main factor on why he performed so well alongside with clyde edwards hilaire um and plenty of other talents on that team that won the championship that year was that all around joe burrow or was that actually still individual talent because i'm looking at jamar chase right now and he is 
one of the best wide receivers in the, in the draft. Don't get me wrong. But when you look at a player like that, it's like, okay, well, he's very good at catching the ball. He's re- really good at, you know, taking the ball down, like when it's in this area. But like the thing is that when it comes down to route running and getting yourself open, like you can go all day with catching the ball, but like the ball has to like you they you need to grab the attention of the quarterback in order to receive that target. And when you're not a really good route runner, that's that's gonna hurt you in the NFL. Right. That's his really his one weakness is he's not a very great route runner, but he has these, you know, physical abilities. He's such a great possessive catcher that it really, you know, makes up for it. And he's I think he's like the safest pick for the Lions at seven, if we're talking about wide receivers. Because Devonta Smith, you know, we talked about the skinniness and that's not a good thing. We're concerned about that. Jalen Waddle, well, I mean, we're gonna get to him a little bit later, but newsflash, the guy's ankle like snapped in half last season. Uh so there's a lot of questions about that. Jamar Chase doesn't really have any of those. He did sit out last season, so there's you have to take it maybe with a little bit of grain of salt, knowing that 2019 was the year that LSU football, you know, took five tons of steroids and went off, and but you know Joe the- Burrow came down like Jesus himself, and you know blessed that program. What were you yeah, saying? The thing with uh, Jamar Chase is, um, yeah, Joe Burrow just went off though. That's the thing, and like. Jamar Chase, when he comes back into the NFL, I don't think that's going to really affect him that he sat out the entire 2020 season. Um, it might affect his first couple of games, getting back into it, getting back into the atmosphere of being on the field during game time. But like at the end of the day, that's not going to hurt his potential because we're going to still see the same player that we saw in 2019, but we're going to see him in the NFL. So, I mean, I like, I like him. Uh, I just don't think that's the best uh, wide receiver choice that the Lions could take. I think that Jalen Waddle is the best one. So, so uh, hold on one sec before we move on to him. I do have a question. Do you think, since we just kind of talked about the whole Joe Burrow, LSU, him and Jamar Chase were there together, what do you think about the Bengals taking him at five possibly? Do you think that's possible with Joe Burrow being their quarterback right now? Um, that would be a really good choice because the chemistry's there. Um mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only reason why everyone was so hyped up about John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins playing together. DeMarcus Cousins is literally a walking... Kentucky connection. Right, and he's literally a walking hospital bed. So Right, yeah, um, unfortunately. So, like, no one... See, the thing is that no one was, like, thinking that Boogie was going to be fucking explosive all-star this year, but, like, everyone looked at him like, all right, well, now he's playing with somebody that he knows, so he his value goes up. And your value essentially goes up when you play with a player that you played with before. So um, to see him go to the Bengals at five would not surprise me because, I mean, to see that chemistry on the field, it's going to connect. Do you would you take would you take Jamar Chase over Kyle Pitts? Um, they do need a tight end. That's the thing. Um, I would if take Jamar Chase. The big, over. Oh, you would take Chase. I take Chase. Ah, oh, so you're scared is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> I don't trust tight ends uh, as much. I'd rather just pick them up in the second or third round. I don't trust first round tight ends. I know honestly. the people. The way people talk about Kyle Pitts. I mean, obviously, yeah, he's the best tight end prospect maybe ever probably ever 
But yeah. I don't know that that connection with Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow that could be special, and they yeah. need and they could use and you know AJ Green's gone now, so they could use to grab another receiver. Mm-hmm. No, I agree completely. All right, All so right. let's move on to. Oh, were you going to say something right there? No, I just kind of hate that you uh, cut me off on my wonderful transition to Jalen Waddles. Well, <laughs> you want to go go cry me a river? No, honestly, I'm not taking it to heart. But Jalen Waddle, um, he's my favorite guy out of the draft. Um, for the Lions to pick up in the first round, uh, out of all the wide receivers we just mentioned, I I think that he's going to be um one of those players that's just like. And I see in the notes we have high risk, high reward, which is true um, because he was coming off an injury and it, like literally his ankle was snapped in 2020. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at him as a player like, OK, um, you know, he's going to be a big name in the NFL. You know that he's going to be just explosive on the field. Uh, at, but at the end of the day, is it going to be like one of those things where DK, like like DK Metcalf, where he was missing every other game because of an injury, like, or is he going to be one of those players where it's just going to like he's going to exceed expectations and not get injured and play a full year? And <clears throat> I like him as a player. I would like him on my team, but at the end of the day, I can see why you don't choose him over the other two candidates is because of the high risk, high reward factor. Well, to err on, to err on the bright side of Jalen Waddle, I actually did a little bit of research on the surgery that he got done on his ankle. It was a lot, very similar to the one that Tua got. And there's like great things about it. It allows these players to come back way faster and the uh, sustainability of the surgery it prevents injury better. So, I mean, that is a, you know, feather in his cap there, you know, something that bodes well for him, but it's just going to depend on if NFL GMs are going to be willing to take that risk. But so, if we get, go ahead. So since we're on the topic of his injury, uh, before we move on, I want to kind of bring up um, something that Bill Simmons said and not to bring it back to NBA. On the Bill again. Simmons podcast? Yeah, on the Bill Simmons podcast. He should pay he, us for he, advertisement. Yeah, but he wasn't talking about Jalen Waddle or any NFL player. He was actually talking about two basketball players, and he was comparing John Morant's injury to LeBron James' LeBron James's injury, and mm-hmm. it's the same injury, high ankle sprain. Um, and it took how long did it take? Six weeks, maybe seven weeks for John Morant to come back. But um, the thing is, is that LeBron James's body is different, and he and he's one of those players where his body heals different. So it depends on the player and how they heal. Because at the end of the day, you can just look at it like, okay, he got an ankle injury and he's going to be out six weeks. He's going to end up like this player. That's not always the case because when players do get injured, it's one of those things where it's just like, okay, well, we've seen him like play full seasons before, like kind of like James Harden, where he's just playing every single season. He's healthy every single season. When he gets injured, he's always back on the court two weeks later. Um, But in the case where Jalen Waddle went down or Waddle went down with his fractured ankle. Uh, he was out for an entire season, but it, the thing is that he was able to bounce back in the playoffs and score a touchdown um, in his last game. Right. With that was Alabama nice to Crimson see. Tide. Right. Yeah, they got so, him in like, there. so you would expect a player to come back and be like, okay, he's on minutes restrictions or down restrictions and he's not going to get as many targets, but 
Waddle was one of those players where it's just like he was a consistent target in the playoffs when he came back, even in his first game. Right. And if we really get into the special specials of Jalen Waddle, he's 25 receptions. I mean, this is just in four games this year because that's all he played before he snapped his ankle. 25 receptions, 557 receiving yards, four touchdowns. He had a he still had a great combat combine grade 6.81 which they call that a year one quality starter he's got insane speed 11 out of his 20 career touchdowns at alabama went for 50 plus yards he alters his speed very frequently he confuses the corners the safeties he's a very talented route runner he can run any route you want whether it's a you know post and i mean you can run anything you need and he also has a 19.3 yard career punt return average with two touchdowns. So that's they compared him to Tyreek Hill for that reason. You have the punt return effect. And the Lions do need a punt returner too because Jamal Agnew is no longer here. That was so, a dumb move. Right. That was a really dumb it, move. By letting him walk? Yeah, because he was one of the best special teams players. He was a useful guy. but. Right. New new regime, they get rid of everyone most of the time. I like this note that you wrote down for um, Jalen Waddle. The note we have is uh, it says alter speed frequently to mess with the coverage. Talented route runner with ability to short run or to run short, mid, and deep routes. So like you already have a player that's going to be covering a lot of areas of the field, and if we need a special play to be done, he's going to be one of those players that's going to execute it. He's a yeah. He's a multifaceted wide receiver. He can. He's very very versatile. He can run any route you need him to run. And he, but he's a risky pick because of that whole ankle injury. I know we just went on a little bit about how it's you know this new procedure that's supposed to be so much better than whatever the old procedure was. I'm not going to act like I know a single thing about it. But right, this is very very sketchy and risky for a GM. You know, unpredictable. If you, if you take you know, if, if Brad Holmes takes Jalen Waddle at seven this year and he ends up getting hurt six weeks into the season, uh, the Detroit fans are not going to be happy with that at all. And I think you'd agree with that. No, 100%. And especially if he, you know, if that is to happen and he doesn't come back from that injury, he just keeps getting hurt, just goes down this rabbit hole of injuries. Not does not bode well for Brad Holmes or any GM. But on the flip side of that, if you do pick Jalen Waddle at seven and he, you know, this great ankle surgery works and he does reach his, you know, full potential and becomes great, you're going to look like a genius. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it's why I said it's high risk, high reward. At the end of the day, if he stays healthy, it's going to be one of the best picks that the Lions have ever seen since Calvin Johnson or arguably shit, um, Matthew Stafford or Sue. So like last person we had that was decent, that was like most recent, uh, was Sue. And that was back in what, 2011, I think. 2011, I think, is when Sue was drafted. See, I don't even remember when the last time the fucking Lions picked up a decent player because we've just been dealing with shitty players the entire time. But the thing with Waddle is it's like he's he's good. I mean, if he stays healthy, he is good. He is going to be a big name in the NFL. He's going to be another Tyreek Hill or shit. I don't know, fucking Devontae Parker or whatever. But 
if he gets injured, it's like, all right, now where do we go from here? Because now we're, we're just wasting a bunch of money on this dude because he, he his numbers are there, his stats are there, but it's just like um, he's spending every other week in the in the hospital, so it's just hard, kind of hard yeah. to take that risk as a Lions, like as an organization, especially the Lions, because they're not always good. They can't take that risk all the time. You need to execute every single draft pick in order to be good. Right, because if you do, you just recycle good players. Right. doesn't matter what happens to the ones that want to leave if you can just replace them with good ones. Right. If, you can, if you're a good talent evaluator in the NFL, you'll make tons of money. I mean, you'll make tons of money doing anything in the NFL, but you know right. what I mean. I, it's hard to predict this, though. Like, I'm looking at it right now. That's why it's the hardest thing to, like, do a draft. Even That's why people love in- it so much. Because it's just like the it factor. Like, it, it, is this it? Like, it, is this player like going to be the player that's going to bring us to a championship? And I don't know. I just think that if he stays healthy, that he is one of the players that could bring us a playoff win since shit, since we've been waiting since 1990. I th- <laughs> well, I think we're going to need a new quarterback to do that. I don't think Jared. Well, uh, it depends on how good of a roster we build around him, but I don't think he's. I think he's only going to be here for two years. So well, we've I don't, seen him go to the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? We've seen Jared Goff go to the playoffs and execute in the playoffs. I mean, I'm not saying that he was the reason why they won. I'm just saying that he was on the team when they went to the Super Bowl and he was able to compete and like keep up with his defense basically and able to execute games in general for the past four years that he's been in the league since 2016 16 yeah yeah so like jared goff is just like he's a decent quarterback he has an arm he's able to if you have an offensive line that protects him and you have a decent running back that attracts the attention in the backfield you'll be able to have him if you give him at least three seconds in the pocket i'm not saying every single time i'm saying every two three downs you give him three seconds three to five seconds i mean that's a big margin i get it but if you give him that time in the pocket, he will be able to complete the passes. And to have Jalen Waddle as one of the players in his arsenal, I think that goes a long way. So I do want to get to one more thing about the Lions. So this is a really unique draft this year in that it's possible that the first four picks could be four quarterbacks. And we all know Trevor Lawrence is locked in to go number one to Jacksonville. But then it's kind of questionable past that. I mean, the Jets are pretty sure the Jets are going to select Zach Wilson. And after that, it gets really interesting with San Francisco. We've heard them talking about taking Mac Jones, and we've heard a lot about the Falcons possibly taking Justin Fields. And I think it helps being that Justin Fields is from Atlanta. He's from the area. So that, of course, makes things easier for the team. But there's always one quarterback that drops in a draft. Always. Every single year, there's a quarterback that drops. Do you think that it's possible that Justin Fields could fall to the Lions at seven? And if he does, if he's available at number seven, would you take him? No. Because there's always quarterbacks that are available in the draft. And I believe that even after the season, however we draft, we're still going to end up shit four and fucking 12, five and 11. So, like, I don't think that this draft is going to be the draft that turns us around. So, I mean, if you're going to look for a quarterback, 
I mean, you might as well wait on it because you still have Jared Goff's huge ass contract. You're, but the thing is that you can't get rid of him now because there's so many years on his contract. But if you wait two years, you'll be able to um, look into the quarterbacks. So, like, I get that Justin Fields is one of those players. I mean, that's that's an Urban Meyer fucking prospect right there, prodigy, right? Because he just he was the best quarterback in the NFL or in the in college, college yeah, in college football, you know. So well, second second to Trevor Lawrence in most people's eyes. It's just arguable at the end of the day. I mean, um, but Justin Fields. I mean, you, you're always going to see good quarterbacks every single year. I mean, I just don't see why we have to waste a draft pick, the top 10 draft pick on just a quarterback where we can see the same quarterback in the next couple of years. But if we have an opportunity to pick up a linebacker where we actually need um, in that area, like in the area of defense, linebacker position is the biggest like attention that we need. Yeah, it's pretty bad. We need to pay attention to that area in general. So, like, I think that we should pick safety up at least. Two, or oh, I'm sorry, corner two, not safety. Yeah. So, like, the the thing that I wanted to do, the lines to do was all right. So, the first round draft pick, we'd pick up a wide receiver. Okay. Um, given the fact that we need a wide De- receiver, Jalen Waddle. Yeah, you want Waddle. Waddle. I want Waddle. Okay. And then the second Danny round, he wants be, to Waddle. I want to Waddle. Um, <laughs> I want to Waddle. <laughs> It sounds like the, <laughs> all right. Never mind. Just keep going. <laughs> in the second round, I would want a linebacker um, because that's the area that we need the most. Uh, uh, would you take a I risk on Micah Parsons at seven? Linebacker yeah. out of Penn State. I mean, he was he's like has insane ability on the field, and I don't have anything in front of me. I, this is just stuff I know off the top of my head. I know yeah. he's got insane ability. He's a fantastic tackler good in coverage, everything. The one problem is he's got um, off-field issues and I believe uh, work ethic issues, possibly. Would you take a risk at seven on someone that high? Because honestly, I don't, I don't think I would. I think if you have work ethic issues and you are... I mean, Micah Parsons not dumb. He knows that he has the ability to make millions of dollars in the NFL, and he will. Someone's going to draft him. It might not be the Lions, but someone will take him. But he has the ability to make millions of dollars in the NFL, and he's just kind of like whatever about it. He doesn't really, you know, he doesn't assume a leadership role. Like it, when someone's that talented, you are naturally looked at as a leader because you're good. But when that person that isn't talent or, or is talented doesn't possess these leadership capabilities, like Micah Parsons doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't look well, and teams don't like that. See, the thing is, is that. A lot of people always bring up the leadership factor, but how many leaders do you actually need on the team? Like, well, how, how, I mean, the thing the thing about it though is, like, I would I would tend to agree with you if he was maybe a defensive tackle or a corner or something. But the middle linebacker is the quarterback of the defense. Like, the middle linebacker needs to be a. But I mean, you like think Ray Lewis, like you know, a leader, dude. Bobby Wagner, a leader. I mean, the you can the list goes on and on. Brian Urlach. I mean, there's hundreds of them. You know, Micah Parsons. Like, the, you, there's not that many. You know, great, great middle linebackers that have off-field issues because they're not going to be starters because they're not leaders. Yeah, I mean, um, it's one of those things where you have one leader, and then like everybody talks about um, 
uh, players that also know their job and just keep their head down and do what they're told. And you have, you know, two two different types of players, those two leadership players and role players or head down players, as you could say. Um, But to have a middle linebacker, not have a leadership like um, characteristic is just kind of stupid because you do need somebody to take charge um, on that Lions defense and to pick him up when he doesn't have a leadership role or a leadership characteristic is just kind of stupid because you need somebody that's going to lead that defense because it's, it's broken right now and you need somebody to come in and be a leader and pick that defense back up. And I just don't, I, I, I don't know. I like Parsons. I like him as a player, but to have that come to the Lions is going to just be really toxic and we're already a toxic organization in general. So um, I was looking at some like trades that we could do with the seventh pick. And I really like this one. It's um, I'm happy you get into this. This is what I want to talk about. <laughs> so, so we were, we were talking about, okay, if it was a wide receiver, if it's not a wide receiver, the first round, it has to be a linebacker, you know, and this linebacker, we can pick him up. He's uh, moving up on the on the draft board very very well. It's Tulsa's linebacker Zayvon Collins. Um, if we were to trade the seventh pick, we'd be able to pick up New England's fifteenth um, pick, but also acquire first and second round picks in twenty twenty two. I I like it because in the past recent years. Holmes didn't need to pick up a wide receiver in the first round. I can name off three examples off the top of my head right now, just as wide receivers. Do it. Do it. All right, fuck it. Name them off. Do it, Danny. Fuck it. Fuck it. (laughs) Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds in the fourth round, 117th pick. You got Cooper Cup. That was the 69th pick. And then you got Robert Woods as the 41st pick, second round. So you're looking at the highest person that was drafted was Robert Woods second round uh, 41 pick. And he's a very, very underrated player, I think. And I just think in general, we should do this because the linebacker position is like I said, 13 times in this episode already, the position that we need the most. So to pick up Zayvon Collins um, is, is a really good move. Because I can, I think that we could always pick up a wide receiver in the second round or third round. And you also mentioned that Waddle could potentially go in the second round or fall into the second round. And I think the Lions would be able to get Waddle. But that's just, I don't know. That's like thinking too too much. If, if, yeah, like here's what I'll say about Waddle. If there's a rec- receiver of the three that we talked about, I mean, Chase and Smith are for sure going in the first round. But it, I could possibly see Waddle going in the first or second round early because of second his injury. round yeah because, right, of his yeah, injury. because of his injury and also everything that we mentioned where it's a hit and miss so to pick up Zayvon Collins and to be safe with that 15th pick and then pick up two more draft picks next year would be huge because like I said before again the Lions are not going to get good overnight just in one season you know what I'm saying over right. one off season like we're going to have to build that defense completely from the ground up if we want to have a chance in this league, because we're not a, um, we're not an attraction to like star players. So we have to build our own team. Like you could tell that like star players on our team just kind of like, you know, 
stuck through it because the li- of the money that they were given. So <laughs> the lions are like the lions are like a young man as he goes through puberty and he looks at himself in the mirror and he realizes I'm not handsome. So I have to be funny. That's the lions. Right. And it's like those players were the players that put the lions like, okay, so imagine it like this. The parents of a newborn are trying to teach their kid how to walk. All right. So the parents are like players like Matthew Stafford, Kelvin Johnson, and whoever else you want to mention that were wonderful talents on our team. And the baby is the lions. You so you have the parent that puts the baby on its feet. All right. The baby's getting ready to walk. All right. But as soon as the the star players let go of the baby for it to walk by itself. It just falls right on its face every single time. You right on its ass. Uh, right on its ass every single time. And that's I'm how a, I imagine the Lions. The Lions I'm imagining are, Matt Stafford's fate. Matt Stafford. God rest his soul. Not that he's dead. He's just not near Detroit anymore. <laughs> uh, I'm right. imagining Matthew Stafford's face like badly photoshopped onto a lion. And then you know how lions like kind of carry their like babies in their mouths. Like yeah. by their fur, and then they up uh, that. That's what I'm picturing right now. Right, Matt Stafford carrying. But <laughs> I, dude, I, I love this move. I would do this too, honestly. Zayvon Collins is a freak, man. He's six five, two hundred and sixty pounds, and it goes further than that. He got a great score in the combine, a six point three nine. He was a three year starter at middle linebacker. The one knock they're going to give him is he played at Tulsa. I don't care, dude. 6'5", 260, a three-year starter. That doesn't come around very often. Okay, so let me ask I you mean, this. Where Lamar Jackson play? What's up? What'd you say? I said, I said, so where did Lamar Jackson play then? If everyone's so worried about where he played. Exactly. So Louisville is not a top contending team like Alabama, Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. Um, Louisville is just one of those teams that, I don't know, they just play at the lower end of a D1. You know their their strength of schedule is not that strong. Like no, just they're like in the uh, no, yeah, they're in the AAC with like Houston and Louisville. There's a couple other teams in there. American Athletic Conference. So it's not a it's not a Power Five conference. You know that's the knock on him. Well, Lamar Jackson won MVP. That's kind of where I'm getting at here. Like Lamar Jackson got the MVP in the NFL, and he played at Louisville. So you can't really look at the team that they play for because they're still playing in a high, um, high level. Yeah, I agree they, with you. Yeah, I mean, when you're sit, like I said, when you're, you know, six six two sixty, it doesn't matter, man. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Absolutely insane. I think we should just pick up defensive players this year. To be honest with you, just start chopping up like everybody on the defensive like side. Just start well, picking up linebackers, start picking up secondary players, because at the end of the day, we're just we're not going to get good or we're not going to see any progress within the Lions if we don't see the defense, you know, succeed. I'm with you, good. but I do think we have to take some sort of wide receiver right now. Our starting three wide receivers are Prashad Perryman, Tyrell Williams and Khalif Raymond. Yeah, I have you even heard of Khalif Raymond? I mean, I've heard of him because of the Lions. Have you heard of him before the Lions? Uh, no. Yep, me neither. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's still a little slot wide receiver. I mean, Tyrell Williams, pretty solid. We got him from the Vegas Raiders, Rashad Perryman, but these aren't number one guys. I mean, you need that. That's very, very bad receiver receiver talent. And what happens if one of these guys get hurt? What are we going to expect Quintez Cephas to be our number one wide receiver? 
No, <laughs> that's not going to work. Geronimo Allison. No, that's not going to work. At that point, or, just throw me on the field. It, right. Exactly. Try throwing a ball in the trash can. Why, why don't you? Right. <laughs> I, yeah. So, I mean, I do agree that we should go heavy defense this draft, especially with the linebackers. We do need a corner too to you know go opposite with Jeff Okuda and a safety. But I do agree. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to take some wide receivers too. Yeah, everyone was talking about like picking up Kyle Pitts as a tight end. And that'd be crazy, dude. Okay, that would be crazy with Hawkinson because Hawkinson's still freaking good. I think Hawkinson's good. Great. One of the one of the top. I think he's great, but I think he's he's good. He's not a he's not a Kelsey or a Kittle. And I think when you're drafted that as high as uh, what was he eight? Yeah, he was picked eighth overall. Uh, as high as that, I think you should be as a tight end because I don't think you pick a tight end that high unless they are a Kelsey or a Kittle. But I think he's one of the best tight ends in the league. He's top five. Well, he only played like one full season. So, I mean, he, he had a really good year this year, though, and the Lions sucked. So that's saying something. Right. Matthew Stafford was in and out. It was just like one of those things where it's like, OK, well, one of our main targets now, one of our top targets is Hawkinson. And Hawkinson was able to execute, you know, he made, he when, made up for when it a lot. was gone and when Stafford was gone. Yeah, he made up because um, he dropped so many touchdown passes as a rookie, dude. So mm-hmm. many touchdown passes, and that was right. really frustrating to watch. Everyone was comparing him to Ebron. It was funny when he was dropping right. all those passes. I was like, "Poor dude, dude. He's literally Poor guy. Here as a rookie." Ebron saw him still salty. Did you really? Yeah. So I went to Chick Fil A um, at Somerset, and I got food with my friend Nick, and we were walking through uh, the cafeteria area, and then everyone was like tripping out because they're like, "Hawkinson's here, Hawkinson's here." We're like, "Oh shit, Hawkinson's here!" And we start walking in the cafeteria area, and we walk right past them. I'm like, "What up, Hawk?" He's like, "What up, dude?" And then we just <laughs> sat like right behind him because that was the only available spot. But it was pretty. Oh sweet. sure, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, that was the only available spot that we wanted. He seemed so chill. (laughs) Sup, Hawk? Hey, what's up? (laughs) Right. I didn't want to bother him because he was with his mom. But like, right. Oh, yeah. Taking the mom to Chick fil A. What a guy. Shit. I'll take my mom to Chick fil A. Oh, okay. (laughs) I would take take my prom date if I was still in high school to Chick fil A as our dinner. That's how much I love Chick fil A. Damn. That's saying something. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, I think we should call it an episode. <laughs> Ending it on Chick-fil-A and taking our girlfriends to prom. Always and- want to end it on Chick-fil-A. Dude, always, dude. Chick-fil-A not sponsored by fast food. Yeah. Not sponsored by Chick-fil-A. But Chick-fil-A, if you're listening, we're open to offers. <laughs> Sponsor us, you damn Christians. Right. <laughs> we'll see you next week on Guys Being Dudes. See you guys. Thank you for listening.